Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. Again, it's great to see you today. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and we're continuing our series from ordinary to extraordinary, how God wants to put his super onto our natural and do some great things. I'm going to talk about two guys in the Bible that I have never preached on this text. You may have never heard a sermon on this text. I have never preached. I've been preaching for a long time, never preached a sermon. And it's about two guys named Bezalel and Aholiab. Bezalel and Aholiab. And, um, and here's what I want you to catch. Catch this right up front. Sometimes we miss the extraordinary because it seems ordinary or common to us. Sometimes we miss the extraordinary in our lives because it seems ordinary or common to us. When actually what God is doing in and through us is very much extraordinary. Many times we overlook the supernatural because we just think of it as common. And I'm going to show you what I mean by this in just a minute. And I'm really talking, I'm not talking to pastors, I'm not talking to spiritual leaders. I'm talking to the average day working guy. I'm talking to the average day working lady. That you actually overlook what you do as common or as ordinary when really it's extraordinary. Now, I'm going to prove this to you. Uh, this passage I ask you to turn to, it's a portion of Scripture where God has been speaking to Moses. Moses is the leader of, 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 of Israel. And, and God has given him instruction over several chapters preceding chapter 31 to how to build his house, how to build the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the outer courts, the inner courts, the holy of holies, how to construct the ark of the covenant that would hold the, the Ten Commandments, uh, the rod that, of Aaron's staff that budded, uh, uh, that would basically house the power of God. He, he's teaching him and he's telling him in very specific detail how to build these things, the golden lampstands, the washing basins, uh, all the gold, all the metal, all the silver, how to do this, the cherubs and the seraphim that they're going to be molded upon this Ark of the Covenant, how to, how to build these altars that were going to burn incense unto God and are going to burn sacrifices unto God, how, how to do all this, even down to the detail of the robes or the, or the clothing that the priests will wear and the assistant priests or the assistant pastors will wear as they are administering these sacraments unto God. Very specific details. And it's important because this is where God's going to live. And God has told Moses, excuse me, yeah, Moses, all of this. And then pick it up in Exodus chapter 31, verse 1. This is how he's going to do it. Look at it. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and all kinds of skill, to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahazamach of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I've given ability to all skilled workers. If you work with your hands, I would encourage you to highlight that, underscore that, or write that in the Bible. The work of your hands is something that God has given you. I have given ability to all skilled workers to make everything I've commanded to you. Now, 
he tells you there's, there's, this, there's a colon there. And so verses 7 through verse 11 tells exactly what he's been telling them in the preceding chapters. Here's what they're going to make. The tent of meeting, which is where God's going to meet with man. The ark of the covenant, which is going to possess and, and show forth the power of God. Um, the, the furnishings of the tent. The table and the articles, the pure gold lampstand, all the accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and all the utensils, the basin and its stand, the woven garments, most sacred garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons when they serve as priest, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place. And then he makes this statement. They are to make them, speaking of Aholiab and Bezalel, they are to make them just as I commanded you, Moses. Now, again, I think sometimes we miss the extraordinary for this reason, because the extraordinary seems ordinary. I think we miss it because sometimes the extraordinary seems ordinary. If you're taking notes, I'd write that down, because sometimes the extraordinary seems ordinary. And the key to this is perspective. It's the ability to see, and that's what I want to show you today. Because, again, you may be reading that passage with me and just go, what in the world is he talking about? What is he going to pull out of this? Hang on, Margaret, here we go. I want you to first of all see, when we talk about extraordinary, from ordinary to extraordinary, that God speaks. Look at verse 1. And God spoke to Moses. God speaks. You understand that we serve a God that's alive, that's not dead. We serve a God that speaks. We serve a God that, 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 that shows forth his voice, that speaks to his creation, the creator to the creation. He speaks. Old Testament, New Testament. Yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same, and he speaks. And the question is, are you listening? Because when God speaks, he always speaks through and to authority. You may go, well, hey, that's great. I'm, I'm not an authority, so I'm off the hook. Contraire, mon frere. You may not be leading anybody else, but you're leading yourself. Everybody in this room is leading somebody. Everybody in this room is leading somebody. So you may be leading yourself. Self-leadership is probably the most overlooked leadership that we deal with in this world today. That's the reason why we have such a lack of, of character and integrity in, in the world in which we live in. Because people want to lead everything else, but they don't want to begin with themselves. God's not going to speak to somebody else about you. He's going to speak to you about you. Maybe you're leading your home. You're the leader. You have children. Maybe you're a single mom. And because your husband's gone and because the, 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 in that situation, God's going to speak to you about your children. Maybe uh, you're, you're a family and, and you're, the, you're, you're, the, you're the man of the house. And, and the way that the Bible says is that men are not more important than women. They're of equal value but different roles. And part of your role as, as being a man in your home is to lead your home according to Scripture. And so God's going to speak to you about your family and the direction of your family. He'll confirm it with your spouse, but he's going to speak to you. Uh, may, maybe, maybe you own a business. God's going to speak to you. He's not speaking to the employees. He's going to speak to you. Uh, may, maybe you lead. You're in a supervisory capacity or role. He's going to speak to you. Maybe you're the CEO of a corporation. He's going to speak to you. I don't know what it is that you lead, but what I do know is that everybody in this place leads somebody, if nothing more than leading yourself. God will speak to you about you. And the question isn't, is he speaking? The question is, are you listening? Are you listening? I mean, God is speaking to Moses, and he is telling Moses, look, I've already gifted these two workmen, these two craftsmen, these two tradesmen, if you would, that work with their hands and what they're going to do. But I'm just communicating to you, Moses, that I've been telling you exactly what I want done, and now you were to pass this on and communicate this to these two individuals. God speaks. 
The second thing we notice here is that God not only speaks, but he calls. God calls. Verse 2 says that he calls. He said, see, I've chosen Bezalel. I've chosen him, God said. I know who he is. I know who his father is. I know where he's from. I know his address. I've chosen him. Now, Bezalel, wasn't a, he wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't really considered a leader. He was a workman. Now, sometimes in the world in which we live in, we go, well, it's just kind of somebody down the totem pole, you know. No, 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 no. Contrary, mon frere. God, God says, look, I have chosen him specifically. Can I just tell you that every one of us, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, God has called you. Not just the leader, but the laborer. Not just the pastor or the priest, but the people. God has a calling for every single one of us. God has a calling for your life. He has a reason for your life. He, he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And you can say, man, I've screwed this up and I've messed this up. I'm telling you, God still has a plan for your life. God still has a calling on your life. But, but I've made some mistakes. He still has that for your life. But I'm not perfect. <laughs> Join the club. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He calls. And in, the, in this passage, we see that he calls Bezalel. He's chosen him. Again, this guy's not a speaker. This guy will never preach a message. This guy is a craftsman. If you would, he's like a carpenter or a plumber or, or the HVAC guy or an electrician. He, he, he's a guy that, that straps on a tool belt every day and, and puts on his steel-toed boots and, and, and wears a construction cap to work, he, he, a hard hat to, to, to work. He, he's not a guy that's going to stand up and speak. He's not a guy that's going to preach. He's not a guy that people are going to follow in a, in a, in a typical sense. But God said, that's who I've chosen. And here's what I think sometimes. I think sometimes that we think that God chooses people that are on the platform, but he doesn't choose me. God chooses people that will lead, but he hasn't chosen me. God will choose to use people that we see in a, in a capacity that's large, but he hasn't chosen me. And what I want you to understand, that if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, God has a calling and he has a gifting for your life. Every single one of you, I'm going to show you through this as we continue to walk through. He calls. But what he calls, he also supplies. God always supplies. What does he supply to these guys? He supplies the ability. I love what it says in verse 3. I filled them with the Spirit of God. Hey, plumber, you're filled with the Spirit of God. Hey, carpenter, you're filled with the Spirit of God. You just thought that was something that was relegated to somebody that was going to minister the Word of God. No, you're a craftsman. I, I filled them with the Spirit of God. I filled them with wisdom. I filled him with understanding. I filled him with knowledge and with all kinds of skills. Now, for those of you that work with your hands, those of us that, that can't, we marvel. I, I can't build a fence. It wouldn't stand up. I mean, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I could build it, but it'd be over the next day. I look at people that build things. I'm like, wow, how do you do that? How do you miter a corner? I, I'm just, I'm, I know that may seem really basic. I, I'm just, I, I can't work with my hands. My mind doesn't work mechanically at all. I look at people that tinker with engines and, and mechanical engineers and how they do, and I'm, just, I'm amazed. I, I just, I go, wow. I, I, I have no idea. Guys that, I mean, uh, I tried to, to uh, uh, fix my dryer one time, and I forgot to unplug it from the wall and it just sparked. I mean, just arc. Yeah. I, I, I just don't. I'm just telling you. I'm just, all I got, all I got is the ability to talk. That's why I talk as long as I do. This is all I got. And I think sometimes we think that people that sit on a platform are the only people that are filled with the Spirit of God and with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with skill. 
But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Bezalel was a craftsman. He was a tradesman. He was a worker. But he was chosen by God. He was anointed by God. He was filled with the Spirit of God. He was filled with wisdom by God and with understanding by God and with all kinds of skills. See, Moses was supplied, God supplied Moses with the craftsman, but God supplied the craftsman with ability. God gifts every one of us based on our calling. If he's called you to preach, he'll give you the ability to communicate. If he's called you to lead, he'll give you the ability of leadership. If he's called you to sing, he'll give you the ability to sing. If he's called you to teach, he'll give you the ability to teach. If he's called you to administrate, he'll give you the ability to administrate. Not just in the church, but in the world. If he's called you to work with your hands, he'll give you the ability. If he's called you to start a business, he'll give you the acumen that you need. If he's called you to do whatever it is, he'll give you that. But make no mistake, you look at that as ordinary, God looks at that as extraordinary. You look at it as just going and doing another day of work and going to the, to the office one more day or just doing what you do. But God's gifted you. God has given you. God has blessed you. God has given you wisdom and giftings and knowledge and insight and anointing. To do what? To do what it is that you do that he's called you to do. Whether you work with your hands, whether you work with, 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 your, with your mind, whether you work with... He has supplied and he's given you that. And he ends right there that he doesn't just work with one, but God works through people. Not just one, but all. I, I love what it says in, in verse 6. He, he, he says, you know, moreover, I've appointed a holy ab. So, Bezalel, you're, you're not by yourself. I've given this not just to one, but to many. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, I've also given the ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I've commanded you. Many times we think that God just does that for a select people. But he works for all. I'm telling you, if you work with your hands, I would memorize verse 6. That's your verse. Because gift, the gifting and the ability that you have, that you overlook, is something that God's given you. And the reality is, is that, again, I said this before, the extraordinary seems very ordinary to you. But look at what they build in verses 7. 8, 9, 10, and 11. They're going to build basically the house of God, the house that God's going to live in. I mean, their trade or their craft was common or ordinary. It's just kind of what I do. But God used it to become extraordinary. And what God said is this, Moses, I'm giving you all the instructions. You're the leader. I'm going to speak to you as a leader. But I want you to know, I've already spoken or chosen Bezalel, and I'm going to give him an assistant with Aholiab. And, and, and there's going to be other skilled workers that are going to work for these guys. Everybody knows that, 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 that you know, these skilled workers, they're not working by themselves. They work in teams. And, and so they're going to come in here, and these guys are going to build what I've told you to build. What's interesting about that is that when God calls us to do something, he doesn't just call us alone. God may speak to you about doing something, but he'll bring other people that, that of gifting and ability alongside you. 
And it's your job to help lead and to release that. And it's their job to come in with their gifting and with their ability to be able to do that. But God's done both of those things. But these guys that are working with their hands, I want to go back to this. These, these, these uh, Bezalel and Aholiab, their craft produced the house of God, the, the holy of holies. This is where God met creation until Jesus was born. I want you to get this. I, 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 I think we, we, we misunderstand this sometimes or, or, or undervalue this. Here's what's happening. God said, look, Moses, I'm going to come down and I'm going to reside in what's called the Holy of Holies. It's the inner sanctum of the tabernacle. And in that, there's going to be a few basic things. And the priests that are going to come in before me, they've got to be dressed in a particular way, in a particular fashion. And they're going to have to go through a particular order of ceremonial cleansing before they get to meet with me. And if they don't do it correctly... I'll kill them. My power will be so strong, it'll strike them down. So as these priests, in, in case they're unworthily in my presence, as they walk into, I want you to tie um, uh, bells at the bottom of their garments. And as long as you hear the bells moving, you know they're living. When the bells stop, they're dead. And don't send a person in to meet with them, to grab their body out. But tie a, a rope around their ankle so that you can pull them out. Because unless you're clean and you've been chosen, you cannot come into my presence. That tent of meeting? Bezalel and Aholiab, they build that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not Moses, not Aaron, the, pri the high priest. But two craftsmen, two trademen, two skilled laborers. The, the Ark of the Covenant, where I'm going to, it's going to show forth my power. It's going to represent my power until I send my only son. These two men, Bezalel and Aholiab, they're going to construct it with their own hands. But after they, after they build it, and you set it into its place, if another man touches it, they will die. You remember 2 Samuel chapter 6? David's about to bring the Ark of the Covenant home because, because Israel's losing. And he brings the Ark of the Covenant home. And, and, and they, put, they, they didn't put it on the oxen the way it was supposed to be, the way God specifically told that to be transported. And it began to move, and they thought it was going to fall. And one of David's helpers goes to try to steady the Ark, the Bible says. And he puts his hand to it to try to help keep it from falling. And he dies instantly. Because no man can touch God. That's why that means that. And so all of these things, all of these things were built by two craftsmen under the direction and the inspiration of God. These guys are just ordinary Joes. They, 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 have a, they can do extraordinary things with their hands, and, and they have the ability to, to, to hewn stone and to, and, and, and to lay gold and silver and, and construct and carpentry, and they can construct all this stuff, and they have the ability to do all this, and they're cre incredibly gifted. But, but what they did, they basically just did like if you work with your hands, if you're a, if you're a carpenter, if, if you're an electrician, if you're a plumber, if you're, if you're someone that works with your hands, you're a mechanical engineer, you're a mechanic, it's what you would do. You, you would be Bezalel and Aholiab. And, and, but what what the deal is, is what God says is, look, I'm going to take this and I'm going to use what's ordinary to them and I'm going to put my extra onto their ordinary and I'm going to do extraordinary things. And for the next thousands of years, God begins to meet with man through these tent of meeting. But it was built by two guys 
working eight to ten hours a day according to the plans that God gave Moses. It reminds me much of, when you think about it, at the Germantown campus, the facility that's been built. You know, this building didn't, the building didn't build itself. So you had, you had excavators that came in to be able to prepare the ground. You had, you, had car, you had concrete guys that came in to pour the concrete to make sure it would cure. You had other guys that were going to come in with heavy equipment, and they were going to construct it, and they were going to set the walls in place. Then you had, you had electricians that came in that ran the electrical conduit for everything that was going to be done. Then you had, and you have all kinds of engineers from, from mechanical, HVAC engineers, to structural steel engineers. You have carpenters. You have all of these, Bezalel and Aholiabs that are building. And if you would have shown up onto the site at Germantown, there weren't always some real spiritual words that were being used. Didn't seem like a whole, it just seemed like, you know, you just got this going and that going, and this wall going up, and this is being constructed, and this is done wrong, we got to fix this out, and we need to go talk to the plumber about moving the toilet over three inches this way, because it's going to be off-centered, and, and what about this, and, and, and we got to make sure that this is plumb, and, 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 and this piece of carpentry is supposed to be put in this way, and, and the wall's not straight, so the drywall guy has to help the guy, you know what I'm talking about? But when it all comes together... And all these craftsmen come together, and they pour their craft together, and the seats come in, and it sets up, and all of a sudden the lights come on, and all of a sudden what happens is just thousands of people fill the space, and God shows up. And what becomes common to man becomes uncommon because God's in it. What becomes ordinary becomes extraordinary. And it happened because those guys every day put on their hard hats and their steel-toed boots, and their work belts got in their trucks and they came in and they began to build the house of God as God had deemed it necessary. Ordinary becomes extraordinary when God's in it. I was not raised in the house of a, of a pastor. I was raised in the house of a factory worker. My dad's never preached a message, never stood on a stage, Never sang a song. But every day he went to work. Every day he provided for his family. Every day he did what was in his hand to do. What happens is he builds a life unto God. And he takes something that's common and that's ordinary. And day in and day out, doing what God's called him to do, doing what he's supposed to do, he brings a tithe. He finds a place to serve in the local church. He raises his family with the fear and the admonition of God. He loves his wife. He stays committed to his home. And day upon day and week upon week and year upon year, what seems very ordinary, getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to hit an under-air-conditioned factory, for 35 plus years of his life. In his retirement years, he begins to look back and he goes, I sowed seeds of righteousness and now I'm reaping a harvest of righteousness. The ordinary becomes extraordinary. And what I want you to hear me to say today, Life Church, is you may never preach a sermon, that's okay. You may never sing a song, that's okay. You may never lead anything that you think is great, that's okay. But you're leading yourself, you're leading your family, you're leading your home, you're leading your life as unto God. And what may seem ordinary with you, when God puts his extra onto it, he does extraordinary things because when he shows up and he fills it, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. The same way the buildings that we're sitting in 
or built by the hands of men, but they're used by the power of God. And I just want you to see your life, your work, that may seem very ordinary, very mundane. No applause, no name and lights, but day in and day out, when you surrender it unto the Lord, it becomes an extraordinary thing. Now, I'm telling you, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. But that should make you feel good. That should make you feel like, wow. Bezalel and, and Aholiab, <laughs> that should be like heroes. Because these are men that, again, maybe you've heard a gazillion messages about. I haven't. Never read a book about them. If I can be really honest with you, I didn't even know how to pronounce her name. I had to go to a special software that helps me pronounce these names because I'm from Arkansas. And it's just, that's, you really wouldn't know how to pronounce it without that help. But I love what the Bible says. I filled them with the Spirit of God. These two contractors with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skill. And I've given this ability not just to one, but to all skilled workers to make everything that I've commanded. We serve a great God that puts his extra on our ordinary. And you may be in the thick of life just trying to pay the bills. Be encouraged. Don't give up hope. You may feel like nobody cares and it doesn't make any difference. Yes, it does. God's filled you with his spirit. He's given you wisdom. He's given you understanding and knowledge and all kinds of skill. You may feel like nobody knows. He does. There were close to 3 million Jews at that time. And God specifically tells Moses, See, I've chosen Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. Here's his address. Go find him, Moses. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't overlook the common. Don't think too simple of the ordinary. You may step up one day and you may look back and you say, man, God has put his super onto my natural, his extra onto my ordinary. And he's done exceedingly and abundant things above all I could think or ask. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you call all of us, that you speak to all of us, that you equip all of us for a purpose. And in the moment, it may not feel like much. In the moment, it may feel very common. In the moment, it may feel very much mundane. Or I'm just, just another day, another dollar. But Lord, the truth of the matter is, is that you've given every one of us ability. And you've placed us. Whether in our company, whether in our office, our factory floor, our work truck, our minivan. And I just pray, God, that you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us. 
we are filled with your spirit, Lord. The power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Lord, that we are anointed and gifted, not in and of ourselves, but through you, God. And that we're skilled in all ways to do what you've called us to do. So the question for us to ask ourselves is, are we listening to your calling? Are we be obedient, Lord, to your instruction? And God, what our hand finds to do, are we doing it as unto you? And I pray on this Memorial Day weekend, as we, many of us will have a break from our work and we'll have some rest. Lord, I pray that we will, Lord, understand that it's you that's blessed us. It's you that's given us ability and with talent. It's you, Lord, and that we shouldn't despise the small things. Lord, quite contrary, your Bible says that we're faithful with little. We become ruler over much. And what sometimes we overlook as common, as mundane, as ordinary, Lord, you've actually indeed chosen, gifted, called, and directed to be done for your glory. I pray, God, you'd be with us and that you'd bless us, the work of our hands. In Jesus' name, amen.